0: I have got some kind of strange hobbies, Uh, among them is I I like to look at advertisements. Uh, Not because I'm interested in what they're selling, but uh, one of the things that I like to to look at them for is it just really, really interests me that there's a whole class of people out there that are being paid to try to get me to spend money I don't have on things I don't need and they're really good at it. And that's another thing about advertisements. When you look at advertisements, these people know what they're doing. And you can tell a lot about the society in which you live by the way things are advertised. Because they will advertise them in the most effective way to try to separate you from your money. Uh, And another one of the things that I like to look at when it comes to advertisements is the fine print. Unfortunately, the fine print keeps getting finer and finer and it's getting harder and harder for me to see any of it. Uh, But one of the things that you will find in the fine print oftentimes are the disclaimers. Now disclaimers are things like your mileage may vary, uh, results may vary, these results are not typical, you may experience different results. Uh, things of that nature, nature, and uh, what they're doing, uh, sometimes they're weasel words, or what I like to refer to as weasel words. Weasel words are, we're trying to make you think that if you buy this, this is gonna happen, it really won't, but don't fuss at us if it doesn't. But a lot of time, really, they're, they're actually giving you some useful information. And what they're doing is they're trying to tell people, look, just because you buy this product or just because you do this, you know, we can't guarantee the results. Because if the circumstances change, then the outcome can change. And everybody's unique, everybody's circumstances are different. So you know, we can tell you that on average, if somebody buys this or does this, this is gonna be the outcome but we can't guarantee it for everybody. Circumstances may change, and if circumstances change, then the outcome can change. And uh, it's one of those things, I, I am a firm believer that life ought to come with a disclaimer. And that disclaimer is subject to change without notice. And that's one of my favorite ones, and and if anybody doesn't believe that that life can change without notice, just look back over the last eleven months. You know, I, I was telling somebody earlier. I said, if you had come to me and talked to me a year ago, and you had told me about all of the things that were going to happen this year, I would have laughed at you. That you know, wh- where are you getting this? How are all these things going to happen? You know, there's no way that all of this is going to happen in this country in one year's time. But if I had had somebody come and tell me that, and if I had laughed at them, they would be coming back now saying, see, I told you so. And this has been a strange year. But the thing is, is, is life does that. Life changes. And that can be a bad thing. Uh, psychologists will tell you that one of the things that bothers people the most is a feeling of not being in control. If you feel like you are just at the mercy of impersonal forces, you're at the mercy of what other people are doing, you have no control over it, you don't know what's coming next, that you know from day to day things are changing you don't know what's going to happen you don't know how to affect it you don't know how to stop it you don't know how to start it you don't know anything about that you're not in control and they say that bothers people a lot and one of the things that that's uh, a psychologist will tell you uh, if you're if you're having a lot of anxiety or something like that is they'll tell you try to find something that you can control And start trying to exert a little bit of control in your life, and it it will help you feel better. But the thing is, is there's there's so many things in this life that we don't have any control over. There are things that happen to us, and there's nothing we can do about it. You know, you you, you think about uh, Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 5. Solomon said, will you set your eyes upon that which is not for riches certainly make themselves wings, they fly away as an eagle toward heaven. And that, that is a real problem for a lot of people because when they start thinking about their own personal worth, if they start thinking about, you know, what am I most known for? You know, what can I take the most pride in? It's how much stuff they've got, their material goods. And that to them really is, is all there is to them. You know, if, if I didn't have all this money, if, if I didn't have all this property, if I didn't have all these things, I wouldn't feel like I was anything at all. I've got to have all of this in order to feel like I'm really an important person. And Solomon said, Why are you going to look at things that way? Because riches, material goods, can take wing like an eagle and it's gone. I mean, you, you turn around, and it's gone, and it's what happened. Where did it go? You know, we have a lot of people in, uh, in the country now that are seeing that firsthand. You know, they've had to close down their business for a, a, a fairly long period of time, and if something doesn't change soon, they're not going to have a business to reopen. I heard about a, uh, a, a cafe in uh, Murfreesboro the other day. had been owned by the same family for 120 years and they said, we're done. We, we can't survive financially anymore. It was gone. But, you know, you have to think about the fact that these things can be gone. They're in, in James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Now, James is not saying that we can't make plans. He's not trying to say that at all. Uh, And he's not saying that we shouldn't plan financially for our future uh, for the future of our children or whatever. But what he is saying is is whenever we make plans, we need to take into account the fact that we're not in control of the situation. If things work out well, then this is what I intend to do. But I'm not in control. You know, if, if God wills something else to happen, then something else is going to happen. I can't control it there's not that much I can do about it. And of course, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 7, Paul said, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. You know, we didn't have anything when we came into this, this life, and we're not going to have anything when we leave it. We're going to leave it all behind. You know, sometimes people just seem to act like they're, they're going to get to keep it all. But you can't. I, I, I heard, you know, everybody's heard all these, these stories, you know, about there are no uh, Brinks trucks in a funeral procession, there's no pockets in a shroud, anything like that. Uh, people use those to illustrate the point. Uh, the best one that, I, that I've heard, at least from, uh, from my perspective and, and my slightly warped sense of humor, is about a funeral <clears throat> for a very, very rich man who's decided he's going to take all his money with him. And so he in, instructs people that when he dies, they're supposed to pack all of his money into the casket. And there's a homeless man who comes in. He's thinking, oh, you know, there's a, a funeral going on. People always bring food to a funeral. So I'm going to go in and see if I can find something to eat. And he just happens to find himself up in front of the casket. And he's looking, and there's money everywhere. And he just starts stuffing it in his pockets. And somebody says, hey, what do you think you're doing? You can't do that. And he says, it's okay, I'm going to leave him a check. But the thing is, you can't take it with you. You can't. So, so why make it something that is that important to you? Solomon has got uh, a really good take on that. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, in verse 18, it says, "...then I hated all my labor in which I had toiled under the sun, because I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool?" Yet he will rule over all my labor in which I toiled and in which I've shown myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. He said, you can work your entire life through to accumulate all kinds of material goods. Someday you're going to die. You're going to leave it to somebody else. And you have no idea what they're going to do with it. You have no control over what they're going to do with it. So you may have labored your entire life away for nothing, for absolutely nothing, because you don't have any control over the situation. And, and, you know, some people want to leave a mark on the earth. It's it's important to them that other people know who they are. And sometimes it doesn't even matter uh, why they're known, uh, there was a, a story that I read years ago about a, a man, he was an architect, and all he wanted to do was build buildings. That was all he wanted to do. And there was somebody who, uh, for some reason, decided that he was going to get in his way. And he did. He kept the man from doing what he wanted to do. He loved to build, and this guy did everything he could to keep him from being able to build anything. And years later... He, he, he comes to the architect and he says, you know, I'm the one that kept you from doing what you wanted to do all these years. You know, every time you started to do something, I would get in your way. Now, it's just the two of us, nobody else is around. You can tell me honestly what you think of me. And the man said, I don't think of you. And he said, what? He said, I don't think of you. He said, but I, I, I've been working for years to ruin your life, and you're, you're not going to think something about me? He said, no, I, I don't consider you important enough to waste my time thinking about you, and he goes on about his business, and the man was devastated. He didn't care if the man hated him. He just wanted to feel that he was important to him, and he said, you're not. You know, I don't waste my time thinking about you at all. People want to feel like they are, are leaving a mark in the world, But the the, the thing is, we have no control over that either. Psalm uh, 37. In verse 35, it says, I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree, yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. He's gone. You know, you used to hear people talk about the old uh, uh, put your finger in a glass of water, and pull it out, when you're gone, that's how much of a hole you're gonna leave. And there's a lot of truth to that. Whether you're a good person or whether you're a bad person, it doesn't take very long for people to forget about you. And people find that to be really, really depressing. And if everything that is important to you is found in this life, whether again it's material gain, or whether it's fame or being important, if that's all that's important to you, you know, that's a really, really depressing thought. When I'm gone, give it a few years and nobody's even gonna know who I was, that's depressing. But the fact of the matter is, is that is the way it is. You know, go to any cemetery you choose and just go and start walking up and down the rows of tombstones, looking at the names and the dates, And how many of those do you know? How many of those people, those that, that, uh, you know, uh, other than the ones who have passed away relatively recently, you know, how many of them does anybody really know? Time passes and memories fade. And that's what happens to us. And if everything that we think is important is found in this life, we're in trouble. In the 49th Psalm, verse 11, Their inner thought is that their houses will last forever. Their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man, though in honor, does not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the way of those who are foolish and of their posterity, who approve their sayings like sheep they're laid in the grave. He said, the, the time comes, no matter how important you may think you are, you pass from this life, and you're no longer important. Things have changed. You were important, now you're not. First Peter chapter 1, Peter's quoting from the prophet Isaiah. He says in verse 24, For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away. And that's going to happen to all of us, sooner or later. It's that way about almost everything in life. Uh, Psalm 39, verse 4, "'Lord, make me to know my end, and what is the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but vapor.'" And over in the 90th Psalm, in verse 12, he says, Lord, teach me to number my days. Look at, at, at myself realistically. You know, one, one of the things that we have <clears throat> that, that can be a problem is we, we really don't have a, a real firm grasp on the idea of our own mortality. You know, we go to bed at night with every expectation that we're going to get up in the morning. And every morning we get up and we figure that today is going to be pretty much just like every other day. And when we go to bed again that night, we think, I'm going to go to bed tonight and I'll get back up in the morning. Well, maybe you will and maybe you won't. And again, this is one of those things that is extremely depressing to people. And that's one of the reasons that people, when they read the book of Ecclesiastes, and you go through, and time after time after time, Solomon said, This is vanity and vexation of the spirit. All is vanity. He goes through everything. He says that he went to find out what was good in life to do. And if there was ever a man on the face of this earth that had the resources to do it, it was Solomon. Solomon was rich. I mean, he was a whole other level of rich and he was he was the the king of israel and he was the wisest man the world ever saw he had the money he had the position he had the power and he went to find out what was good in life to do and he did everything anything you can think of solomon did it and solomon said it's all vanity and vexation of the spirit and, and, and people are depressed by that because they think, well, you know, does that mean that my entire life is useless, that my in, entire life serves no purpose, that there's nothing that I can do in this life that's going to be worth anything? And Solomon says, if you're thinking in material terms, the answer is yes, It doesn't matter how much money you acquire, it doesn't matter how many people in this world know your name, it doesn't matter how much power you have, you're gonna die and you're gonna leave it all behind. And if that was what you considered to be the the sum total of your personal worth, it really wasn't worth anything. But what Solomon does is he goes beyond looking to the material to find out what he's really worth. And of course, at the end, he says, fear God, keep his commandments. This is man's all. The the King James says this is the whole duty of man. If you look, the word duty is italicized. That means it was provided by the the translators to kind of smooth out the sense uh, of the passage. In this particular case, I think they got it wrong. In the New King James, it says this is the whole of man. In other words, man has no purpose in life except to fear God and keep his commandments. Now, when he uses the word fear there, he is not talking about being afraid of God. There is a sense in which that's proper, but uh, rarely so. When he's talking about fearing God, what he's talking about is hold God in the proper reverence and respect, be in awe of him because he is God. He's the one that created everything. But fear God and keep his commandments. This is man's all. It's our whole purpose for being. And it doesn't matter what changes in this life, whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor, whether I'm famous or whether I'm not. You know, those things don't matter, but, but having the, the proper attitude toward God does. I, I, it's one of those things. It's kind of funny. I think it was Benjamin Franklin that said, uh, "There is nothing certain in life but death and taxes." He was half right. Uh, well, I think he was half right. I'm pretty sure that taxes are certain, but if you look in First Thessalonians chapter four, death is not. Even that is something that you can't really count on. In First Thessalonians chapter four and verse seventeen, Paul is talking about those who are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord. There will be Christians who are still alive at that time, whenever it may be, so even death is not certain. You can't count on anything in this life, not even that you're going to die when you leave it, but you can count on God. That is the one certain thing. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. You really don't know what's going to happen. And again, making plans is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. As long as you, as long as you take into account the fact that there are things out there you can't control. Whether it's, it, it's what God wills or whether it's just circumstances. Circumstances. There are things you can't control. There are times when you are not going to be able to do what you want to do. It's, uh, it's one of those things our, uh, our daughters have told me for years that when I die, they're going to have uh, on my tombstone, how did I end up here? And uh, since I won't be around to, to keep them from doing it, they probably will. But that's because there are a lot of times in life I look around and say, exactly how was it I ended up here? This is not what I planned to do. This is not where I intended to be. I'm not doing what I thought I was going to be doing. And I really can't connect the dots as to how I got here. And that's one of those things. You, you, You can make plans, but what's going to happen? You don't know Think think about uh, The people after the uh, The flood In Genesis chapter 11 First few verses there We read about the tower of Babel God had told them to go out Spread across the earth And replenish it Well the people come to the plain of Shinar And they decide uh, We're not going to do that We're going to do our own thing We're going to build a great city here We're going to build a really tall tower and we're going to make a big name for ourselves. And God said, no, you're not. Now, A lot of times people think that, that the, uh, the idea was to build a tower up into heaven where God was. Well, that's not what they were doing. What God confused their languages for is because they didn't do what he told them to do. He said spread out across the earth and they didn't do it. They stayed in one place. And uh, when they talk about building a tower up into the heavens, they're talking about the first heaven where the air is, where the birds fly. They were just going to build a really big tower. But that was their intent. It's what they intended to do. They had every intention of carrying it out. And God said, no, you're not. You're not doing what I told you to do. I have something else for you to do. And so you're going to do what I want, not what you want. In uh, Proverbs chapter 21, in verse 1, it says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. God is in control. And whether things are good from our perspective or whether they're bad from our perspective is completely beside the point. Things will work out as God wants them to. And what we do is we say, you know, God, this is what I would like if it be your will. But if it's not, then I'll deal with whatever happens. Uh, I heard somebody uh, it was from a denominational group once upon a time that was complaining because there were some people who, when they were, they were praying for, for the sick, Uh, And they would say, you know, God, heal them if it be your will. And they didn't like that. They said, well, that's casting doubt on whether God's able to do that or not. I thought, Well, no, it's not. It's just saying, God, I don't know if you will or not. Can he? Well, sure. Will he? I don't know. I think I'm asking for the right thing, but God may know that it's not the right thing, and he will do whatever is best in his mind. And then we accept it and go on realizing we're not in control. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And this is one of those things that I would really encourage you to do. Give some thought to the possibility that God is acting providentially in your life. God is still active in the world today. God brings his will about today. He doesn't do it miraculously. Uh, A lot of people misunderstand what a miracle is. A miracle is something that is obviously of supernatural origin. In other words, all of a sudden the earth turns backwards or the sun stands still. Something that is obviously of supernatural origin. God does not do that today. But he does act in the world today. He acts through his providence. He's acting behind the scenes to bring his will about. And can we say that that God brought me to this place at this time on purpose? No, I can't say that. But is it a possibility? It could be. You know, sometimes we look at things and we see problems when what we ought to be seeing is opportunities you know if 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 you look at the uh uh, the story of uh, philip and the ethiopian eunuch we we talked about that back i don't know a few months ago Uh, but one of the things that i i find interesting is philip's attitude in the whole thing as far as we know as far as the record tells us Philip was never told what to do. He was told, go here. So he went. And then there's a chariot coming by, and he's told, go join yourself to that chariot. But he's not told what to do, but he does. And he hears a man reading from the the scroll of Isaiah, and he's, oh, this is an opportunity. This man is reading the scriptures. I have an opportunity to talk to him. And so he begins to preach Jesus to him. And then later, after he's done so, after the Ethiopian eunuch has been baptized, the Ethiopian eunuch goes on his way rejoicing. And Philip is caught up and taken over to Azotus, which is a city on the coast. Well, Philip lives about 60 miles north of there. You know, and a lot of us would say, well, why didn't, if you were going to take me all the way over to Azotus, why didn't you just take me home? You know, am I going to have to walk all the way? Philip didn't do that either. Philip said, oh, I have to pass through all of these cities on my way home. And he preached in all the cities. He looked at what some people would have thought was a problem. He decided it was an opportunity. I get a chance to preach to these people. And he did. So sometimes when we find ourselves in some strange situations, look at it as an opportunity. Is it? Don't really know. It could be. Perhaps it is. Perhaps it's not. But take it as, as a possible opportunity. You know, we, uh, we have too much of the idea that, that life is a certain way, and that's the only way it can be, and it's going to be tomorrow just like it was today. Life is subject to change without notice, and that's not always a bad thing. When life changes, look for opportunities. Maybe that's why the change came about. Maybe you have exhausted all of the opportunities you had, and God's just given you some more. So when life changes, look for the opportunities. And remember that if if we start looking at the physical as being the thing that's most important to us, wealth, the fame, whatever it may be in this life, we're going to be sadly disappointed when this life is over. And it can be taken away from you anytime in this life. So don't put too much importance on it. You know, think about the things that are most important. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. It's our whole purpose for being here. It may be that there's someone here this evening that needs to respond to the Lord's invitation. If you're here, and you're not a Christian, you've been given another opportunity to be obedient to the gospel of Christ. You don't have any guarantee that you'll ever have another one. You could come forward confessing your faith in Jesus as the son of God, and you could be baptized to have your sins washed away. Or it might be that you're an erring child of God. You've done something that has separated you from God, and you need to to make things right. You can go to God in prayer, Confess the sin to him from a repentant heart and ask him to forgive you And he's promised to do that If your sin is public in nature, then your repentance should be public as well So that you'll not bring shame and reproach upon the church Or it might be that there's someone here who just needs the prayers of those that are gathered here If that be the case, would you come forward and make your needs known While together we stand and sing